we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. Hey, um, so we're at BarberCon in New York City. Um, we're sitting in the Schedulicity Lounge and... Uh, for the first time ever in this in our podcast, we have no plans. We're just going to sit around. We're going to talk. We're going to BS a little bit. We're going to see where the conversation goes. I'm um, joining me at the table today are like legitimately two of my favorite people ever, and I and, and I don't I don't I don't say that lightly. Um, we have uh, the amazing uh, Victorian uh, Matty <laughs> Victorian. Matty Conroy. <laughs> I sound like I'm from old timey England. <laughs> you are. No, you the are. Victorian. Hello. Hello. Good day. Thank you for having me on this little podcast. <laughs> And of course, that cute little smile you heard—that's that's our good friend uh, Presley Poe. So um, the three of us were just going to go, and, uh, but, and Tony couldn't make it this weekend. So, uh, I miss so Tone. Gonna, you yeah. miss, are you missing Tone? I, I mean, like I, I tried to fill in a little bit on a couple of those. You but know what I, it is? It's the rhythm. Yeah. Right. It's the rhythm that we've created, and yeah. and, and, and when you when you're missing that rhythm, it's like, oh shit, I got to do that now. Yeah. I just miss his like silent ninja presence. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like Tony's like the most unsuspecting like killer in the background, and I, I bet he wouldn't appreciate. Me saying that because he's no, gentle. He's, he's gentle, uh-huh. but he's just—he's so rad. He and like, rad. You, he's always so quiet, but he's like, he just has this like energy of like, I'm here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hi, Tony. I, I remember Tony. <laughs> Tony, when we did our podcast, when we did our interview, like Tony was the numbers guy. He was like the guy with the sheet of information in front of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the fact checker. Yeah. And so like, the funny he's thing the is like, line guy. I, 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 I said this thing. I was like, oh, this thing happened, and then this magazine said I was, you know, the, the coolest barber on Instagram thing. And Tony pipes in. He's like, actually, yeah, I checked into that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh my god. He's like, like you're... pipes in, like just right. Like, yeah, no, totally checked into that. That was so funny. That flattened me, man. I was like, oh, shit, he's watching. I feel like he's like Santa Claus, but like more nefarious. He's like, you know, he knows when you've been sleeping. Exactly. He's like. You're awake. You're like, Tony's watching us right now. you that you never were. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He called you I mean, just kind of our style with that is like, I I love to take us to left field. Mm. And Tony's, you know, he kind of bring us back. Come Mm. on, we got to get through this. We got to get through this. We got to get through this. So if he's talking, he's usually bringing you back on track. He's a T-ball coach. He's totally a T-ball coach. He's like, get back here. The T is in the middle. The T is in the middle. 
middle. Okay. <laughs> Dot it, cross it. Long we'll story short, man. Tony, we miss you. We uh, we hope you're listening to this and yeah. uh, not cringing while we do it. <laughs> no, we, we are at the uh, Barber uh, Barber Con in New York City, which is my first time here. Uh, Me too. This is your first time, time here. Yeah. How are you guys finding the show so far? Like, how's how's the event been? And barbering is quite an interesting peak right now, you know. So, how are you finding? Because this was your first time yeah, up on stage here. This is my first time in New York, and I have to say, I feel like I'm one of the only people oh, that New I York. know ever in, New, in York. New York. I feel like, yeah, in New York ever. Like, right. and I feel like. I'm one of the only people who's never wanted to come here. I've always, I've always kind of held it like at an arm's length, and I've shrugged off a lot of passes to come here. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about New York. And I think honestly that that was my brain being like, I was not, oh, that I was not. Um, thank you so much. They were telling me to come closer to the mic because I was sucking <laughs> at that. But, um, but I think that I was like one of the only people who was like not so excited to like didn't see my life in New York because I've been such a Pacific Northwest person forever but I'm telling you right now like I you hear all these things and you know shame on me because I feel like I felt privy to I fell privy to the connotation surrounded by this the city, the state, of that people are mean here. And I am telling you right now, they are so freaking nice. Like, people in New York have been so accommodating, and I love that they, and just as my girlfriend said earlier, her name is Eva, by the way, she's amazing. And um, she was like, she they is. are aggressive in New York. She's like, they are aggressively kind, and they are aggressive about driving, and they are aggressive about their careers, and I was like, that's why you like me. <laughs> I'm New York, and I didn't know it's so cool yeah and I had no idea and I think you know I think sometimes we're so scared of like what we do not know but we're always so scared of what we do not know that ends up being us Mm -hmm. so I feel really blessed to be here and it's just been like a really amazing experience it's been so cool cool right yeah don't experience the things that scare you and I I've always ran towards the things that have scared me and for some reason New York is like the last on the totem pole and I did not run here <laughs> I was brought here by BarberCon but you know what I did run towards blurring the lines between cosmetology and barbering and I am so honored to be here in lieu of that and so I feel like that those two things just ran head on into each other and I could not be more thankful that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I got to watch. It was cool, actually. It was cool to watch that on stage. And uh, it, I, I think this is the first time they've had a color segment. You know what I mean? That's and what I was like. I was like, dude, I think I'm the first. You're a pioneer. Ever. I don't fucking mind. Pound, pound it. Pound oh, wait. It. No, I don't know. Hand hand up, hand down. I don't know. We're just going to do just, it. We're, just we just high-fived a lot. I don't know. It was cool. Like, oh, my God. I, I am the first. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm the first colorist right, to we, be on stage at a BarberCon event. We just broke Presley Poe. We broke, <laughs> we broke her brain. I'm done. She's done. She's done. <laughs> it's just me and you, man. Yeah, that's okay. We're just going to carry on our own. I'll I, just I, laugh I, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a really good show, though. I mean, it, it's been an interesting turnout. There's a lot of cross-sections of things. I think, I think barbering right now is at a very interesting point. Uh, something that I saw in hairdressing a number of years ago, and maybe we can speak about this a little bit. I, I, w- I started out in cosmetology, so I was a hairstylist. I traveled around doing education in hairstyling, and I, and I was a part of that you know, group doing hair shows all over the world. And, and that was very exciting work, but um, I started to kind of fall out of love to it when, I, when it really became more and more apparent to me that the, that the hair industry itself had become more concerned with hair art than it had become with actual fashion. 
and it seemed to be that a large can you cross section. That? Can you well, that? when I was doing education, when we were doing education and stuff, what it, what it really of its own artistry. But I found that it was making people not more confident to step behind a chair, but instead it was making them more afraid to stand behind a chair. Because you were talking about the dichotomy of yeah. what was yep. platform artistry yes. as opposed to real life artistry. Yes. Oh, dude, I feel you so hard. Yeah. Okay. Whew, no. Like I feel you started. So now here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm dealing with Please. is like because I have groomed myself so <laughs> intensely. If you can't see this, I'm like looking at Maddie so hard right now. It's like my hands up, and I'm just like, look at me, bro. I'm like, so the thing is like, hear me, I, connect I, with you, me. We are connecting. <laughs> like my hands are in a circle. It's a whole thing. But I, like I have groomed myself so intensely to do hair color that is editorial behind the chair that is wearable and livable yeah but now i have this like like wrench to unscrew because the robert chromines of the world these these like beautiful amazing performers who did this like art behind the chair right that artistry is dying in the sense of people are looking for real life artistry which I've completely honed in on. The only problem is with that, mm. not that it's a problem at all, actually, is just, I think it's my own problem, is that now, because I have honed so insanely into this, I only want to create livable art, yeah. that creating art for Naha yeah. and editorial, just complete art behind the chair, mm. is very difficult for me sure. because... Every single time, even if I have a model behind the chair, I'm like, what is your lifestyle? How do you live? What is your, you know, everything. So everything I do, even when I'm able to just create art, I can't just create art because I've conditioned myself in this way that's like, okay, wait. So I'm like, maybe I should just make wigs? I think, I but think then the that's thing not that I, like altruistic, you no, know? No, I totally agree. And I think from an altruistic standpoint, like my, my presence in the industry has always been about education. And, and my, my desire is to make people more confident and less afraid. And so for me, I, I, I love the idea of the artistry of it. But I think that the problem is, is that we've always elevated it above the other. You know what I mean? We've celebrated totally. it. It gets awarded. It gets printed. It gets all yeah. these things. So what people are being bombarded oh. with all the time is not this day-to-day excellent, you know, beautiful haircuts for people. But we're fighting. People yeah. in the industry are fighting. You and yeah. I are fighting. Sure. There are industries that I cannot name because I'm not going to be biased, but there are people within our industry who are big, big influential uh, mm-hmm. brands yeah. who are fighting against that. Yeah. And I, I think... Yeah, I'm not going to go. And, well, it's interesting because what I'm the reason I brought that up is because now I mean I, I've been in barbering ten years. When barbering started out to what I'm now seeing here at shows like this and around the world, is evolved now into something different. You know, I mean, it, it, the, the rate of evolution of industries is getting quicker Absolutely. and quicker on the back of social media. Things social like that. media, yeah. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing what I'm seeing is I'm starting to see that same modality enter into barbering now, where I'm seeing the competitions, I'm seeing the stuff on stage, I'm seeing what people are putting out and. What Instagram's pushing forward as more hair art than it is about just creating hair. quality, nice looking hair. Behind the chair. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not being celebrated anymore. And so a lot of barbers now uh, start to feel very inferior compared to what they see, well, because instead of realizing that hair art and 
and traditional barbering or hair art and traditional hairdressing are, are very different things. It's an we're, we're economy of our society We're trying to meld them together right and, yeah. and celebrate one over the other. Yeah, it's, a, it's an economy of our society right now because I, I completely hear you on so many levels, like on every level that you just spoke because you're the only person who can speak definitively apparently and I'm like, yes, you <laughs> said that and it's true. I'm at church right now other than Sam Via. No one else can do that as of yet. Oh, that's high praise. Uh, I love oh, Sam Oh, dude, I love Sam. That's Me my too. father, by the way. Yeah, actually. I, well, I mean, really. Yeah, but you're but adopted? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Third generation. It's fine. Um, <laughs> twice removed. Twice removed. Exactly. I was about to say it. Um, no, I think that, like, you know, it, it is, we have these people, and I think that, and you can speak to this if, like, we know that you're beautiful, and we know that women are into you, but it's always, like, it's always, there, there, there's a dichotomy of, like, the 20-somethings who are into Instagram. And I don't know, I, I don't want to speak to ages. I don't know what the name of their millennia is. What are the millennias? The millennias, the ones that were like, in the Like, there's the millennials 2000s. and then the waters. Is that the name, waters? No. That's what my question is. Is the what are they? So what's your opinion about the waters? Well, they're my so opinion, entitled. There's, there's, no, I did not say that. <laughs> my thing is, I don't have an opinion. I'm just saying that this is my, this is my um, observation. Go with it. Potentially, I'm just okay. I'm just gonna go with it. Is that we have these people who look at these icons in this industry of like that they, they put people on social media on this like you know uh, pedestal on this pedestal, right? And so you have people like you and me who are like, dude. We work behind the chair. We do real hair every single day, right? And I think that people, they ask, like, what is what is the, how do you do it, right? How do you do it? How do you draw people to you? And it's because we're all altruistic, right? Like, we want to get out there. We want to give real education, like the Sam Bia of the world. He's, like, my my father, my icon, my everything of, like, bringing real education back to the streets. But then you will always have those people who are drawn to the Kanye West. Sure. You know, if you believe in yourself, other people will believe in you too. Yeah. And they will also put you on a pedestal and eventually be let down. So it's like we have to, like, work with both of them regardless if we like it or not. It's like we have to go with both of those of, like, let's be altruistic, but I think that that's a part of, like, what draws people to you is, like, then it's also kind of like, what the crap of like, no, I'm being real. Yeah. And then you think that I'm not real. So how do I not care that you care, but I do care that you yeah. don't think that I'm real. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's, a whole thing. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. People's perception of what we do is really, really, really interesting. Oh, it is. And it's not our fault. It's the fun thing. It's, it's an, it is an interesting thing. I, I, I think people's ideas around what education looks like is what drives them into it, or even just, I think we've developed a very skewed sense of the natural progression of this industry, like what the what the pathway or the ladder looks like, you know? I'm hesitant to say ladder, because I don't really think any of them are above each other. I think they're just kind of at a different spot. So, I mean, I think a lot of people get into this industry and they're like, cool, I want to uh, go to hair school so I can learn my basics. You know what I mean? Then I'm going to go work in a shop and then... And not talk about my basics or think about my basics. Totally. I'm going to learn how to ignore my basics. <laughs> I'm just going to yep. surpass that because I'm past it totally. now. Yeah, because I'm not going to think about it. I went I'm to hair school, that. So I went I, to hair school. I'm yeah, done. I know everything. Ten years later. And then... So the basics tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so they get really good at those. They get really good at ignoring the basics and then they start to get really busy. And once they get really busy, they start looking at that shop owner going, I'm pretty much doing everything everything here 
you know, and really they're just doing their job. And they don't really have a concept of what everything is, and so they go open their own shop, and they think, well, that's the next uh, step. The next step is my own shop. Oh. But there is such a different skill set there that it's not even closely connected. It's and like, then, did you take business school? Sure, no? yeah. New hair school? Okay. Mm. Hair school, yes. You should open a business. It's the same, though. Like uh, Some people I even talked to today, they're like, well, I want to open a shop so that I can get out there and start educating. I'm like, okay, Honey. well, those two things are uh, <laughs> super different. Completely <laughs> different. And also, they're uh, often at odds with each other, you, you know? Is, so. well, what do you think? That is, is is it the credibility? If I open my shop, I have credibility now to teach. Yes. Or what do you think that is? Maybe. Well, Maybe. there's this like okay, so like people. Okay, so here's the thing that I want to um, showcase to people, and I know Maddie can go for this. Is it like we in school think that there are t- these tiers of like this is how we are successful, right? I know I was there. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm in school, and then I'm going to be an educator. How do I be an educator? Do I have to educate in school? I don't know, but I'm going to be a teacher. And if I'm a teacher, then I'm going to be a platform artist, because a platform artist means that I'm successful. No, 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 no. Being a salon owner means that I'm successful, right? And so then those are the tiers that we think about. But little do people know that there are so unbelievably many ways that you can be unbelievably successful in this industry. There are these tiers of like, you can be a stylist. And the thing is, at the end of the day, I know, Maddie, you can vouch for this, whatever your idea of success is, whether you have a full book, whether you can put food on your table for your family, whether you are an educator, whether you're a platform artist, whether you own your salon, these things are all individualistic ideas of what you feel is successful. But understand that you don't have to do any of those things all-encompassing to be successful. Yeah. Find your idea of what success means to you. I, find, I, I talk about it uh, very often in the idea of, of learning to discern what is uh, the difference between success and fulfillment. Oh. I mean, for me, I, I'm not... I'm not chasing after success anymore because I learned really early on that there's no such thing as enough success. There's no such thing right. as enough anything in that in that field. And if you're chasing after it, you'll never find you'll it. You'll never find it. Fulfillment is is much, much more accessible. And the funny thing is the difference is really success is what other people think of you and fulfillment is what you think of yourself. That and being and, happy where you are. Yeah. And I mean, that's the most satiable thing. And I found in, in my experience that when you find fulfillment, success will come find you. Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, that's the thing is like people keep chasing this thing yeah. that when you get to a place and you're like, oh my gosh, I, sh- I should feel really successful. I'm, I, we know that like when you are a driven person, you're never going to feel completely satiated. And that is not a bad thing. And people put something that's really negative on that. If like, if you are not satiated, something's wrong with you. You yeah. should want this dream of this thing. And when you get that thing, then you are done. And it's like, no, because driven people are driven. Like they're driven to do, there's this term I love and it's called cottywomple. And it's really crazy. It's an Irish term. And cottywomple means, I know it's really silly and it's derived from an Irish term, I believe, to, I know, I believe. Uh, But I I, I looked it up several times. I think it's an Irish term. uh, Cottywomple is to move towards an unknown, unknown destination with intention and purpose. Oh, wow. I know. It's a silly word with a really meaningful meaning. Cottywomple is to move towards a destination with intent or to move with intention and purpose towards an unknown destination. And I tell people, I'm like, that's what I'm doing with my life. 
I don't know where I'm going, but every single movement that I make towards it is with intention and purpose. And I think that's the thing that we forget. When we look at this big spectrum of what we see ourselves being, we get very overwhelmed by the small things that it takes to get us there. Mm. And if we just cottywomple our way, <laughs> just move with intention and purpose it's towards a, our unknown destination, we will It's like a Winnie achieve. the Pooh novel, isn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? It's just well, like Winnie the Pooh and the cottywomple. They're you know like what I mean? Like yeah, I they're see, hunting I see, them I see Presley's next tattoo. It oh, sounds so silly, but it's so true to cottywomple. Just to move with it. I tell people, I'm like, whether it be in a haircut, whether it be in hair color, we know that as artists, like, when we go into something, the destination changes, mm. right? right? So why do we put so much veil on things to, like, try and, like, ugh, like, drive it in? It's like, no, you just move with it. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going there with an intention and a purpose. And I think there's a virtue, too, to just keeping um, your goals slightly fluid. You know what I mean? Because Fluidity. A, a lot of what happens there is, I mean, it, like, take going to university, for instance. You can go start going to university for something that you realize halfway through your training that you're like, I'm not going to be happy doing this. And right. yet, for some reason, you're halfway through, so you're like, well, I have to stick with this now. you got to finish and it out, right? If there's you can't, no gray area. Yeah, if you can't be that. kind of fluid, if you can't have, like, a, 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 keep your options open, something better may come along that you, had n you weren't open to, you know? I mean, you're close to, right. and the better thing is, is something you turn your back on for something that isn't ultimately going to make you happy. I mean, Absolutely. I went through, I've been 25 years now. I know you and I have been in this thing a long time, Court, and uh, I mean, I had halfway through my career at this point, I already had a career that most people would give their vital anatomy for. I was traveling the world. I was on stage with some of the top artists around the world. <laughs> doing that and it was it was amazing i mean i was i was living every hairdresser's dream you know and i was i was in, winning awards and publishing magazines i, I had achieved You're like everything so cool. no no the, the no, thing I is know. I, know. I did that stuff. I got that stuff. I got that destination thing where you think, there it is, I've arrived. There it is, I did it. it. I'm successful, but why don't I feel that way? It was the most empty I've ever felt. You know what, and Maddie? Each, you know what? each accomplishment just made it feel that much emptier because the fact that that didn't satisfy me made me feel successful on the other side of it made me feel emptier and emptier and emptier. I went through that in a much smaller scale. And here's how I could talk about it in a much more lame term for those of you who are like, oh, I'm not traveling the world. I haven't done any of that. Here's the thing that happened. I'm from Oklahoma. I am from a small town called Shawnee, Oklahoma. And I moved into Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For me, I thought fulfillment meant having a full book. I had a sports car, smoking hot girlfriend. I lived in the arts district. And it was just this huge thing. But what happened was everything that I had worked for, everywhere that I was, I had reached my comfort. And comfort at some point made me extremely uncomfortable. You're just I was to just die. like, Ugh! like I was so mad. And I, I was making six figures. I had all this, you know, uh, it was but I was so I, empty. I was just like, I am not growing anymore. Yeah. And I don't have anywhere to grow. And I think that people think that the world is so big and like that we can do all these things. And if I'm traveling the world, and if I'm going to be an educator across the, even across a nation that we were achieving it. But I'm here to tell you, and I know Maddie's here to tell you that the world is small. Mm -hmm. And that one cafe looks like another cafe. They just have an accent. Yep. And fulfillment 
just like you said, is not in lieu of... So how does that make you feel about, I mean, the things about in the industry that we see so much these days where the appearance of success is such an important role for these younger stylists coming in to appear successful, that thinking that that will indeed make them successful. You see guys invested buying the... The fake, uh, you know, the fake Rolex, the buying the, you know, pay, <laughs> d- leasing the sports car, you know, I mean, oh. and, and living well beyond their means when they first start out because they want that appearance of success. They want people to think they're successful. But, but I don't know if that that's not an industry thing, right? I think I think that's like that's, that's a, a social thing. That's yeah, a social that's a social thing. thing. You're it's right. It's a social thing, a but a social thing that. that does idealize an industry specifically. Yeah, I, I think barbering. Sure, we're seeing a lot of it. But I just wonder, like, posturing. Okay. Sure it is. Yeah, yeah. What do What do you think about that though? Like, I mean, what how, do you think that, that I mean because I think the ideology behind it is if you need to look the part you want to dress for the job you want not the right. job you have but is that really just kidding ourselves is that is that just something that we're chasing after that thing that ultimately will never be enough I think that we need to let our work speak for itself yeah that's something that I've struggled with because living and people don't know this because we haven't talked about it on the podcast and this is something that I've I've thought about a little bit of like to get real real like I've lived in slums. I've lived out of garbage bags. I've lived in abandoned buildings. And I've never said that in public in in my life before. But I thought, I was like, you know what, this is really important because making more than six figures, I make very good money. I realize that when you make more money, you feel like you should express that. But I was like, you know what? It's not real. Mm-hmm. Money, and here's the thing that I think about a lot. To be famous only means that people know who you are. Yeah. When people know who you are, that doesn't mean that you're rich. And just to be rich doesn't mean that you're famous. Yeah. Again, we have to separate these idealistic views of what it means to make money. Because now that I have money, I think of how can I support my family? How can I have a jungle gym for Jonas in the backyard. I don't, I don't think about how can I drive a Maserati. I think about how I can make the child in my life happy and how can I have a wife that feels fulfilled and how can I do things for my family. You know, it, it, it doesn't... And how... Just like Biggie Small says, more money, more problems, well, you, do know? you When you started making like, more money... I just think it's so, like, ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I think the thing is the money and the fame it won't necessarily make you happy It either, won't you know? ever make you and, happy. No, there, there's, I mean, I mean go, go back to the word fulfillment, right? Yeah. And there is no fulfillment in money. No, there isn't. It's there's empty. no fulfillment right? in Have you ever, money. I, I've always felt like I make the same amount of money no matter how, what my tax number says. You I know what I mean? I feel more ashamed making money than I did when I didn't have money. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird because people are like, oh, it's not I'm like, no, it's right. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't ever, I don't talk to people a lot about like what I make behind the chair because I don't want people to compare themselves to me. Sure. I'm like, your demographic is your demographic. And the thing is, all that matters is that money only came because of 18 years of just grinding grind. myself to the yeah, bone yeah. and always trying to grow. But more importantly, I learned to be true to myself and true to what I have to give back to the community. And it wasn't until I realized, until I gave every single thing up, that it was about following your passions and that money will follow. And then I didn't understand that 
money will never make you passionate. Yeah. It will just help you to follow your passion about being passionate about other people. That's true. What responsibility do we have as an industry, and especially with you two as leaders, like, 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 what responsibility do we have as leaders and as educators to like, kind of like, carry this conversation forward? I talk about this in my class a lot, actually. Um, my education is always really fully robust and not just like, here's the steps to this haircut, but I really try and touch on a lot of the things that matter to me, um, how to deal with those sorts of things, you know, how to, how to look for mentorship, what that looks like, but also just how to be a decent person behind your chair, not like, not, not ignoring the important things about life, you know what I mean, and living your life, because this is your life, you know what I mean, barbering. It's not compartmentalized job. For a lot of people, it's their lifestyle. It's their life. You know, we, it's a very sacrificial life in a lot of ways. And as an educator, the amount of sacrifice that we put, the strain we put on our loved ones, on our family, on everything. <laughs> if people our, like, only knew. Yeah. They look at us like, they look at us like, oh, my God, how do you do that? And it's like, I, you know, we have to talk to our wives. We have to talk to our kids about, you know, I'm sorry, my love, I can't be there for that birthday. I, I tell people, I'm like, I have been late to my own birthday for, or even missed my own birthday probably for the last four years in a row. Yeah. You know, we have to, we miss out on a lot of things because here's the thing. It's like people think that we feel validated on the road, but the truth is that we're validating everyone else on the road. Yeah. And you know what? We're educators on the road, but as stylists, I feel like we have a personal responsibility to be an educator behind our chair. Mm -hmm. And we should not, in my opinion, feel validated because we are behind the chair and you're on our time, but that we should feel responsible for validating the people that are in our chair because they give the ability for us to be behind our chair. Agreed. I think back to your point too, I think transparency is important. I think um, I think it's easy for everyone to want to look <clears throat> as successful as possible and really blow up that, you know, that road life and all that kind of stuff and come to these shows and of course it's all, you know, bright lights and music and stuff. And I think it's easy for people to get the wrong idea of what it is. But I think I think um, really like being being transparent about those things when we talk to people, being real more than anything. I mean, I got a chance to just have a really intimate little class today. Um, you know, a lot of people are around me blowing up uh, themselves on stage, talking about how they're the greatest thing in barbering. And, <laughs> and there's literally all these things, I invented this and I'm the first and now we're the greatest. And you know, I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I always believe that if, if you're blowing yourself up, that's because everyone else has stopped blowing you up. And if, if everyone's still blowing you up, maybe you're not worth blowing up. Well, typically know? the smartest person in the room has the least amount to say, I'm just saying. So what ends up happening there is I just had this small little class and intimate, and it was really cool. And it was nice to be able to take a chance to just have that, you know. And uh, and when, when I got some feedback from one of the guys who attended it later, he was standing in front of another group of people that were yelling about how they're the greatest thing in barbering. And he just came over to me and he was just like, look, I man, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want you to know, he's like, I just, I appreciate so much how um, meek you approach this thing. You know what I mean? Um, humility is not a thing that you can just hashtag on the end of your fucking Instagram when you're boasting about how much money you got. Hashtag humble. <laughs> <laughs> Like I think that's a thing, though. <laughs> yeah, look, look at my fucking playing slay humble. I'm you know not going like, to say any names, but, but there's definitely some people who are in the industry. I was like, I really actually like you as a person, sure. but I can't 
follow you anymore because of the like they're like literally hashtagging things like humble and I'm like dude like I just said I was like I feel like the person in the room with the least amount to say has the more most important thing to say it's like people should understand the power of silence yeah. and I don't mean the power of quietness sometimes silence yeah. but I mean when someone has something to say to you we don't always need to like shout it from the rooftops yeah. and I understand we're very passionate yeah. we feel like we should do that but we have to understand that like bold movements don't often equal bold end results that mm. sometimes soft movements choreographed in a way that people will see and hear that or yep. strain to see and hear that yeah, and, and I, I think that's something that you do very well Maddie. I appreciate that I think what's important about that though is it's it's about modeling just to get to further build on this point it's about modeling that for the younger generation right you know like we we don't we're not going to make like I talk to a lot of people these days. We, were we touched on something funny earlier about the, the millennials and how everybody's like, they're just so entitled. They're so entitled. They're, what's wrong with these people that I'm hiring now? They're so entitled. And it's as if they invented entitlement. You know what I mean? As if, <laughs> as if, as if the only contribution to the world that millennials have is, is entitlement. And it's just not true. They, they may have perfected it, but it was modeled for them by a generation of parents that grew up with box stores and Amazon and a million things where if they just bought something, wore it three times, decided they didn't like it, they could return it, no harm, no foul. Right. No personal accountability, no responsibility. That My name's Karen and I want to talk to the fucking manager because I want a discount on my hotel room because I found, <laughs> I found a piece of lint on my pillow. You know, this was a this was a generation of kids that had this the customer is always right nonsense modeled for them and exploited by people for their own personal greed and selfishness and then want to know why their kids are in fact echoing that back. And so when we as an industry get up on stage and talk about how great we are and how much we've done for the what a thing we've built up for ourselves, what a great fucking industry we've built, and we expect these other kids to show up with humility. And show up in our shop with humility and, and have that attitude of like, I'm, I'm going to learn this trade, I want humility. When you're not modeling humility at the highest level, then, well, what the fuck did you expect, man? Like, yeah. what did you expect from these kids? How did Sam Villa come up again? I mean, who's man, more humble than that dude? There is nobody more humble than that dude. I, I love, love Sam, Sam. Yeah, I know, right? My father. <laughs> Your father. Mm. I feel like it's I can't like, wait for um, him to hear this. What is an uh, interview with but the hold vampire? On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I kind of want to talk this through a little yeah, bit. Please. Is that, and, and the issue that I have is that we're always blaming the next generation. Always. Right? You're not like, taking it on like, ourselves. Like, like, le like legitimately, um, Frank Sinatra was supposed to ruin the youth. Oh, then man. Elvis Presley was supposed to ruin the yeah, youth. Yeah, just he shook his hips a little bit in the whole world. He's got Satan in his hips. He's got Satan Devil. in his hips. So I, I just I just hate that 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 idea that we're looking backwards and and, and, we're, and, we're, and we're passing blame on them. You know, I certainly love when politicians do it because I'm like politicians are talking about millennials. Mm -hmm. The situation that we're in is a bunch of seventy year olds. Yeah, right. The millennials didn't do any of that stuff, man. Exactly. It's just really funny though because I think that I mean I see these new kids coming up. I personally feel a weight of responsibility to hope hopefully model for them and help create for them a better industry than the one I'm in. You right. know what I mean? And, and I think that's the hope of every generation is to pass the world off and leave it in better shape than they found it. And we haven't been holding that up. That's called legacy, Maddie. It is. And so when we start thinking about that, I mean, when we start looking at what we're modeling for these kids coming up, well, it's no wonder they're all they're all in this mode. of. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder barbering is going off track. It's no wonder the industry is going slightly off track. 
because we're showing them how to do it. You know what I mean? We're showing them how it's done, and they see what makes something successful right now, what gets attention and what gets attraction. They're not really worried about quality. You know, they're not worried about they're not worried about legacy. Legacy is a foreign concept to a kid at 22 years old. They sure. don't think about their place in the world. Legacy is what drove me into barbering. Legacy, like when my grand. How long have you been in uh, barbering? So I've been in the industry 25 years. I've been a barber for 10, and uh, it was right after my grandfather passed away. And I, I told this story on your podcast, but really, it, it, it was me during his that time when he had passed away. Me examining the legacy that he had left behind, and the things that people had said about him, and the type of man that he was. He wasn't a barber. Like I'm not a legacy barber. Right. He was a banker. He was just a genuinely amazing human. He was a kind man. He did everything for his community. He was very altruistic in a lot of things he did. You know, he's always involved. Like, that that group of guys, that whole generation of guys, they had, like, gentlemen social clubs whose job was to just go out and do community work. You know what I mean? Charity where They're there to support their communities and, and these things. And they led by example with gentleness and humility and pride and dignity. And, you know, it, it was a thing that when you have that model for you and you realize the absence of it in your own life, it's convicting, you know what I mean? You start to look at these things, you start to think to yourself, man, what's my legacy going to be? What are people going to say about me when I'm gone? You know what I mean? And that's what really drove that, I think, my approach into this because the reason I got into barbering was that my approach to barbering classes is not about here's how great I am and here's how great this is. It's always about this real humble, like like to what Presley said earlier, going back to those foundations, the things right. that most people forgot or abandoned because they got out of hair school and didn't want them anymore. I always take things back to those foundations and then also try and stick back to the foundations of what I think that we're really doing here, which is a servant's job. It's a servant's job. There's humility involved in it at its very core. It's never been about us. And when, every time things start to hinge towards that artistry we were talking about, the hair art versus the, the community, like the actual fashionable hair, it's always during a period where we started making it more about the hairdresser than about the than client. The or yeah. more about the barber than it is about the client. I tell all of my clients, I'm like, listen, dude, like, I'm the, mess- I'm the messenger. Like, of your, like, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> like, you're paying me to deliver your message and to, like, listen to, to like, how you perceive this session. You're like a translator. Right. I am. From vibe to hair. We are, though. We are, though. Like, that's exactly what we do. It's like, I don't know you. That's why a consultation is there. And then I'm like, after the consultation, I think about that person. I'm like, okay, what did they say? But more importantly, what did they not Not say? say? Yeah. Yeah. And then you read between those lines. It's like, we have to be like communication specialists as well, you know? Consultation is a lot more about observation than it is about communication Uh, or or conversation. People understood that. And like when someone comes in, you watch how they walk the moment that they walk into that salon. Like, is their hair tied up in a bun? Or like, are they wearing sweatpants or a business suit? Or like... All those things are just, like, so unbelievably important. Like, do they have kids? Those are clues. Those are clues to, like, what is their lifestyle? What can they, like, uh, keep up with, you know? Do you want to give them a high and tight? Do you want to give them, you know, a a full platinum hair color? Like, those things are just so unbelievably important, yeah. That's so crazy. I always think that the, the technical aspect of what we do is really only half of the puzzle. And putting together anybody's style is like kind of putting together a, like a puzzle. You know what I mean? There's like pieces that all fit together. 
And when you're looking at your observation, when you're doing your consultation and stuff, all those little indicators, I look at like tattoos, I look at I look at accessories more than anything. People Absolutely. will come in on their day off wearing grubby clothes, but like they still got nice shoes or a nice watch like a or bow. These are you're like those are more than $25 shoes. Those are like $300 <laughs> shoes and they're in a sundress, but the stitching is nice and that looks like Ralph Lauren. Yeah. Their hair is in a high bun, but they've got real gold earrings and okay. And they get those This hipsters. person's going to be yeah. a $600 service. A man that comes in and you're like, okay, are you wearing flip-flops? Are you wearing surf shorts? Are you wearing a tank top? Are you wearing a business suit and a tie? Like all those things, yeah. Well, this is just it. I mean, like really, I I believe the vibe of your work is so much more important than just the technical excellence of it. Absolutely. And so it's funny, too, because, I mean, you see these guys come in and and then you get those hipster crowd come in and it's just like, man, I know how much money you spent to look that shitty. I got you. (laughs) But, you know, that's what I was talking about on stage today is like, I was like, listen, I'm like, I understand. But, like, if time is money and we're marrying the relationship of barbering and hair color, barbering and cosmetology, and, like, hair color, like, what we'll be talking about tomorrow is, like, I'm going to show people how to apply a simple, like, lift and deposit tomorrow. And the thing is, like, barbers, if they look at that and they're like, yeah, whatever, bro, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, well, you're turning down. And $85 an hour, and then you set them to the side, and then you make another $45 to $50 an hour, and you can do whatever kind of rope and haircut you want on it. You can do a high pump, you can do traditional barbering, you can do whatever you want, but you just shot yourself off $85 for 15 minutes of work. Like, it's like, like, the two are marrying whether we like it or not. I love it personally, but I don't know what's happening in the back. It's pretty awesome. Like I think that. Justin Bieber just showed up. People are <laughs> screaming. But like which Justin Bieber? I like, like the I 90s? Like, yeah. I or was see, he early 2000s? I like, I like mid-2000s Justin Bieber when he was on Vogue, when he looked like young Elvis. And that, like there was like, that was probably the, the, the golden. Yeah. My favorite part about right? Justin Bieber is his wife. Oh, you like that? She's pretty. How do I not know her wife? His wife. Uh, well, <laughs> I think they're a little reclusive. He said her, yeah. his, his wife. wife. <laughs> no, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you really? Oh are you really? Yeah, they're 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 quite cute. They're quite cute. <laughs> okay. Maddie, last night when we were talking, um, you had a, a pretty interesting perspective on passion. Yeah. Kind of want to get into that? Well, I think it's a weird thing these days because we, we start to treat passion uh, like a buzzword, like the word authentic, you know what I mean? Or all the other things we like to paint up because it makes people feel good. And the interesting thing about passion is it's, um, I think people try to outpassion each other these days. <laughs> I think people try to use passion like it's some sort of thing to hold over other people's head. Well, it's passionate. It's passionate. I had a lot of, I, I had a girl come to me one time. She was, like, came to me at a show. She's like, I want to be an educator just like you. I was like, well... Make sure you have something to teach first. And she's like, well, I do. And I'm like, cool, what is it? Well, I mean, I, I just want to teach, I just want to teach some, I just want to show people some haircutting, some barbering, because I'm just, I'm passionate about it. I'm like, okay, cool. So what about it in particular do you want to teach them? Well, I just want to show them my passion. I want to get up on stage and show them how passionate I am. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> first of all, I know this is going to be very unpopular, but nobody gives two figs about your passion. Okay, nobody cares about your passion. They care about their own passion. And they care about your information delivered passionately. 
Your information delivered passionately will ignite in them their own passion. They don't care about yours. Yours can be all day long, and it's not if it's not theirs, they don't care. So what you need to do is you need to figure out some information that you can share with them passionately that will make them ignite their own passion. Because passion is not a thing to hold over other people, and it's certainly not a thing that you should like measure in yourself as if just being a little bit more passionate than everyone else makes you better than them. Passion is its own reward. Doing something passionately that you passionately enjoy is a reward in itself. Like you get to do a job that ignites in you a passion for something, then you will do it effortlessly with ease and with absolute reckless abandon simply because of the fact that you are passionate about it. You can't help it. It's like this almost quasi-torturing thing that you have that won't oh, let God, you stop. Sure no, I, I don't know. If it's, I don't even know if it's quasi. I think that it's an unfortunate fortunate part of what we do it's it's like it's like this impulse like if you don't do it it hurts and when you do do it it hurts and then when you don't do it it hurts and it's like you can't help but not do it because it hurts yeah, <laughs> it's like no. it's like this like you the, the torture if, of artists if you yeah. don't do it it's freaking painful like yeah, yeah. I, you know, people have asked me before, what would you do if you weren't a hairdresser? I'm like, what kind of question is that? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I mean, my, my answer to that is like, what, what would I do? I'm like, I never thought that it was not an option. Yeah. Like, when you are passionate about something, it's not an option not to do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to do it. And I never really thought about it in the context in which you were saying, but it's true. People do say those things. And it's difficult, unfortunately, and I'm sorry to say this but it's difficult to, to speak to those people sometimes because you want to inspire them but you don't know necessarily how because you're like okay you're passionate but what are you passionate about you know what they're passionate about? They're like haircutting. I'm like, okay, well, well, what about haircutting? Like, I always tell people, like, find your message. Mm. Like, when people ask me, press, I want to be an educator. What brought you into education? I'm like, because I didn't know there was an option not to be an educator. And they're like, okay, well, how do I become an educator? I'm like, well, how would you not become an educator? I'm like, you talk to people. I'm like, you just, you just do it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you have something. to talk to everyone. Yeah. And you ask everyone, no matter where you're at, where you are, like, about it and until someone says yes you can do that mm. and then maybe you don't want to do that for that person but you just do it to open a door because you know that, that door will open different doors and that there's no option not to that what, you just have to start and move forward i always look to see and i usually tell them hey i'll tell you what what do you know how to do cool teach that to another person Go find another person that needs to learn that and teach it to them. And boom, you're an educator. Congratulations. Boom. Congratulations. You're an educator. <laughs> and then they look somewhat disappointed. I'm like, oh, that's not what you were hoping for. So do you want to be an educator or do you want to be a rock star? Oh. Because truth is, is like, it looks cool, man. It looks cool. Like, you make it look cool, Press. I mean, look at you all no, tattoos and boss. You make it look cool. Shit, you're up on a stage today in front of hundreds of people doing no, your thing. Okay. They're all eating out no, of your hand. Okay. And that looks cool. That was not your first was rodeo. It? That was not your first class. That was not how you started. We didn't start out there. We started by teaching two, three people. I was teaching classes in Appleton, fucking Wisconsin. I still for teach two or three people. people. I still teach two or three people. Yeah, I do too. And it's and like, people and see because they see us in front of thousands of people and they're like, oh, you're in front of all these people. I'm like, yeah, but last week I taught a class in like North Carolina and there was like 12 people in the room and half of them, I don't think, give a crap about what I had to say, but there were another half of the group who were like, yes, you changed my life. And I'm like, I will teach to one person, I will teach three people, I will teach 3,000 people, it doesn't matter. I would say you know, that I'm if you don't have if you don't have enough passion in you to teach a class, a full class to one person, you have no business teaching it to Absolutely. a thousand. And I, I had a one opportunity last year where I was down at one of the hair shows 
and uh, they do these little breakout classrooms. You know these things. You've done some of these. And these you're at the big show, and then they have these private classrooms. So oh, yeah, yeah. I went into my classroom. Uh, I was teaching this class, and I showed up, and there was one lady sitting there. Yes. One, one lady sitting in the back just of the classroom. Everything you had. And I just looked, and I was like, "Wow, that's a humbling thing to walk in." You know, like one lady in the classroom, and so I just looked at her. Or is that and a I, majestic? I just thing was like, "Darling, it looks like it's just you and me. So come on up here. Let's do a haircut uh, together." Yes. Awesome. And she just looked, and she's like. Shit, seriously? Really? I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Like, <laughs> this is my class. You're here. I'm, I'm going to teach Let's you. do this. So she shows up, and then, like maybe about five minutes into it, like another person showed up, and then another person, then another person. And, and people just kind of started coming in. But I started this class with this one lady. And so by the awesome. end of the classroom, there was over 200 people in there, and it was standing room only, and it was just packed out. And it turns out that I showed up a half an hour early to <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And I, so, yeah. Talking about the one, I, listen, I, Presley and I have spent time together. We did the show together um, a couple months ago. And, and Presley never puts color on the hair and not tell you what she's doing. Yeah. You know, she, she, she does teach to an audience. Of one, and, she, and literally today she did it. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was kind of assisting her because she needed some extra hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I was holding a bowl. Oh, you <laughs> mean, like, never. Like, if I if you're around, I won't do it. I won't not tell you what you I'm doing. You won't not tell me. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, I've learned that, like, for me, education is like this, like, it's like an impulse. Mm. Like, if I can't tell you what I, I can, it's like a, like a, uh, like, like when a dog has an itch and it's like, it's got to, like, get it. And you're like, no, because it's annoying. But you're like, they've got to, like, get to it. That That's me. It's like this weird it's like this impulse to share what i know you know the thing is like we can hold what we know to ourselves Mm. (laughs) we can hold what we know to ourselves but like unless we share it with people we can't influence the world and when you've come from a shit show you want to change it into like you know a peony show like you want to be like this is a flower I don't know I just it's the weirdest thing because I never knew that it would like be that for me although I look back at my life and people always said that I had um uh what is it where you have like a you know like you always see those shows like Jawbreaker and like whatever where like they have the girl and I'm like we're gonna turn you into Violet you know they always said that I had these like um what are those like um I don't, I don't know, Presley. Got I don't know, I don't know but I feel like there's some sort of nature show going on in the subtext. You know what I mean? Presley's well, like, always, watch as the I'm moth like, enters the chrysalis yes! after a pupation period. Yes! A beautiful butterfly oh, emerges. Which is why I'm completely obsessed with Mother Nature, and I stopped eating meat like April 22nd. But um, no, it's that like that's the thing is like I just I um, I believe in the evolution of people, and I think I've always oh uh, damn it no I what's a freaking word like a science project or something like people are always like you have a project you always have to have a project you always have to have someone that you're influencing and blah 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 and I was like you know what and I thought that was a bad thing people made me feel bad my whole life of always having someone in my life that I basically sponsored <laughs> my whole life I was like that I always had someone that I was like you know what we're going to do something great for you. And people made me feel bad about it. I was like, you know what? People tried my whole life to make me feel bad about the things that made me so special and made me who I am today. Amen to that, sister. Like, Amen what to the that. crap? And you know what? I told them, like, you know what? You might have been mad because I wanted to sponsor or make one person in my life or I always had a project person in my life. But you know what? I have always been a mentor. And now I fortunately 
get to speak in front of thousands of people and mentor people on a weekly basis. And I'm like, you know, don't let people get you down when they they try to bring you down about the things that make you special. I feel um, mentorship is such an important thing in this industry and it's so underrated. And I, unfortunately, the way that my career is rolled out, I have such a limited availability to truly mentor people because right. I believe it requires a really strong investment of time. Yeah, absolutely. And so I've taken, I, I've taken that mantle on more in, in, a, in, a, in a grander sense so that what I really make sure I'm doing is is modeling those behaviors that I really hold valuable, that I think are important, to, that I would want to mentor someone into. If I don't have an opportunity to take the time to mentor you, I'm at least going to try and provide you with a decent example of what I think that that looks like. Literally just talking to someone about that today. Yeah. I was like, the, the most important thing we can do is to model, is to behave how we would want to model our, like, our mentorships under of like the most important thing we can do is to be ourselves like that's the highest influence that we have is like I try to be altruistic and to be uh, you know just the truest self I can be on any social platform to where people can see I was like you know it's crazy that people are really influenced by like what you eat in the morning sometimes it's like I, if I work out, they're like, man, you really influenced me this morning to go to the gym and, like, actually kick my own butt. You know, I'm like, yes. Then That's a really good feeling of, like, I might not have been able to hold you in a classroom mm. and been able to hug you and tell you how important you are, but I'm so happy that I was able to, like, give you a moment of, like, I'm trying so that you don't have to try so hard, yeah. but that you can be influenced by me. I think the interesting thing is in the culture of people that refer themselves as influence, my question is, what are you influencing them to do? Like, what even is I mean, an influencer? Really, I don't I think that's that a word. thing. The algorithm design of Instagram almost prevents the idea of influence because it really is just an echo chamber of the things that you say and like and do. Anyway, and so it, right. it's not influential in the sense that it's not bringing in new ideas. It's just echoing the same ideas over and over I and over. I know. It's and so, so, and then echoing the same idea with how many other people thought that, that was really important. And maybe I should think that's mm. important But it's very too. self-validating is what it is, which is why you get those, know, that dopamine. I am not into it at all. So I don't get it. You said the dopamine? Well, yeah, it's a yes. dopamine <laughs> thing, really. It's, it's, I mean, it's just it's a, it's a little joy box, you know. I mean, it, oh, this person thinks like I do. I must be right. And so it's an interesting idea, you know. You, anybody can find validation for almost anything that they would say, think, or do on that. I was telling people, like, what, whatever your idea of success is, is whatever your form of validation is. Like, for me, my form of, form of success is people telling me that I've influenced them in a positive way. Mm. And my companies that I believe in so wholeheartedly and so, so strongly, believing me believing in me to carry their message forward mm. like those are my validating factors it's not people being like you're so cool I'm like yep yeah, well you didn't see me this morning yeah. you, know? <laughs> you didn't see my grade 9 haircut you didn't okay <laughs> and you didn't see me at the gym struggling and like you know tossing and turning and waking with mascara all over my face like you didn't see me this morning or last night but you know for me it's like again it's like those my companies seeing me passionate and strong and and believing in me to carry our message strongly and for people telling me that I've inspired them to do greater in life and and so yeah that's here, it. here's the thing I mean I think we could go around on this one for a really long time so I'll tell you what let's close this up by just saying uh, what do you feel like amidst all of the nonsense but all the noise and all the same 
what is your ultimate message to that one person that's listening right now that just needs to know what, what it is that they need to do to get through this next phase of their career or to get through to the other side or to just find that way to ignite that passion in themselves? What's your message to those people? With every single thing that you do, be true to who you are. In this industry, in any industry, in this world, everyone is concerned about standing out. And the only person that will stand out is someone who is true to themselves. If you stay completely true to who you are, you will absolutely stand out and you will influence people to stand out on their own. And Maddie? Uh, for me, it's, it's just chase fulfillment. Chase after fulfillment with everything in your being. Don't, don't look for success because success is a fraud. Look for fulfillment and, uh, and success will come find you. I think always take your time. Don't be in a rush. Life is long. You know what I mean? I think everybody talks about the speed of life and life is short, but it's long at times too. You know what I mean? And everybody's in such a rush to get over over the parts that they don't like and, and waiting to get to the part that they do like. But the problem with it is is that the, the good stuff is found in the parts you don't like. The struggle, the, the character building, the, the things that will make you a much more robust human being in, in the times that are good are found in the times that are rough and the times that are hard. Embrace those. You know, Don't run away from them. Embrace them. And understand that their job is to make you a more fully developed and, and really quality human being. So embrace those things and celebrate them. Boom. I love that. Um, this is amazing because I had a front row seat to, uh, to all this, this uh, knowledge giving. Um, guys, you guys know how I feel about you. I just I love you guys so much. And... Uh, Dude, thank you guys very, very much for joining. Well, pretty much my day off, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> so Corey, thank you for joining me. This on, has on been your day my off. My day Corey. off, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Love you. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease.